got accidentally day drunk. I mean, do do we know? Do we have subject matter that we are going to discuss? Yeah, we're gonna just chat. You know, I've got my goblet of wine. We're here. We're AverageMoms.com, the podcast. Welcome to the AverageMoms.com podcast. You're listening to Alicia, Caroline, and Crystal. We are average moms with average problems, and you're about to listen to them. Hey, friends. Welcome back. This is part two of our conversation with Sarah, guest mom and blogger and sister-in-law to Carrie, where we talk about twins. And we're about to reconvene our conversation, starting with her labor and delivery story for her scheduled C-section and how that all went down. Hope you enjoy. So how, like, how did your delivery go then? If you had like scheduled a C-section, like you knew they were coming on this date, like what was that process like? Because I don't know that we've had anybody on that side of C-section. Have we? I don't think so. I don't, I don't know that, I mean, we haven't talked to to everybody we've had on about, you know, there's... Yeah, that's true. But nobody's birth story is on a C-section. This is, this is like the, probably the 14th or 15th episode we've ever done. So. <laughs> well, there are lots of C-sections that happen in the United States. That's one of, one of our, one of our hallmarks as a uh, birthing country. Uh, but yeah, so I, um, yeah, I was really nervous um, and like really nervous. I, uh, I remember I had like pretty bad anxiety. I was like shaking and they, they gave me one of those weighted blankets. And I was like, this is magical. This I totally get why this works now. <laughs> what a smart invention. Um, yeah, I think, you know, my, at the very beginning, I think I had told our moms that, you know, they could plan to arrive by like X time because, you know, it would only be Lex um, in there with me. And by the time we got to the hospital, I'd already texted everyone. Like, I'm like, you need to be here now. I need to know that you're in the waiting room. Um, and so I do have a lot, I have a lot of feelings about um, everyone during pandemic who hasn't been able to have like their team um waiting in the wings uh but yeah I was really nervous um I was contracting so um despite all of the like false starts of things um I remember my doctor saying like you know you could be going to labor like any minute what week were you at at this point uh 38 weeks two days yeah so they um when you're a twin mom 38 weeks is full term they don't actually let you go to 40 weeks anymore. It's like a- so um, talk a little bit. Of, oh, sorry, I interrupted you and it's terrible, but I'm just so curious. Like, do they wait until like they see that the babies are a certain size or like what what is it for them that triggers? OK, so is it it's just you made it to 38, like potentially if you started contracting beforehand, you would have gone in for your your C-section beforehand. OK, that makes sense. OK, keep going. Yep. So yeah, they just set the date. Um, and I'm going to be honest, they actually scheduled me for 38 weeks, four days, but I had been begging so intensely to just please make it end all I wanted to not be pregnant anymore. Uh, and so they relented and gave me two days off of my sentence. Uh, but... oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So, so yeah, so we went in, um, I'm trying to think of like highlights here. Uh, I had a um, a resident, and it's a teaching hospital, so I had a, a resident who was doing my anesthesia. That stands out to me um, because it took a while to get the, the nerve block in. So if you 
this is like not of interest to anybody, but it was cool fact I learned that an epidural is what you would get in like an emergency C-section, but in a scheduled one, they can do a nerve block, which I guess like lasts longer or is more specific or something. I just remember <laughs> like poking around and then I was like, like just feeling it on the left side. And they were like, oh, yep, that's the wrong place. I don't know. That, that like stands out to me. I think it was also because that was the one part where my husband wasn't with me. He was in another room and I just felt and like that's what my anxiety was like the absolute worst. I just was like, I'm being poked apart and I have no idea what's going on. All I want <laughs> is for him to come back. So then he did. Uh, and that was really good. And I will say that during the procedure, um, which I thought would be like so fast, it actually felt a lot longer. Um, but but there was the point where they were like, do you want to cut the cord? And I was like, no, he doesn't. He's right here. He's busy right now. <laughs> I was very intentional about keeping him right where I needed him. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it was, it was kind of cool. So um, they do, they have a sheet uh, over you and, um, but there's like a plastic sheet. And so when um, baby comes out, they like lift up the baby and there's like a whole thing of like, get your camera ready. And you could like take a picture. Um, and so we got the first picture and then second baby, get ready again. Um, and then Lex was like, so they like, you know, they got the, um, so baby A, uh, so when you have twins, it's baby A and baby B. So baby A was, was Jay, um, Lex Walter Hubbard the third, uh, the namesake. Um, he, so he came out first. He was really quiet. He didn't, I mean, he cried enough to like be healthy, but he was just kind of like shell shocked. Um, but like wrapped him up and then Paul just came out just like hollering, so intense, so mad. Uh, and then they, they had Lex holding both of them um, for all these pictures and you could just see it in his face. Like, I don't want to drop one. I'm sorry. But I think I someone was like, it's okay if you want to give one back to the nurse. Like, I don't want you sitting here worried about dropping one of our babies. <laughs> okay. So fast, fast forward. Okay, so Wait, how, how big were the babies? What size, where, where were their sizes? Uh, so, Jay was six pounds, seven ounces, and Paul was six pounds, 15 ounces, which is, which is great for twins. Like, that's yeah. a lot of babies. <laughs> Crystal's about to fall over. <laughs> I told you about you're the pelvic Individual thing. twins. Yeah, your individual twins were the size of my one full-term baby. Like, good Lord, I, no wonder your pelvis hurt. Yeah. I called that my pubicle when I was... Yeah, because it was like her head was in my pubic bone. Girl, I feel for you. I'm sorry. That's a lot of baby. But like, but but then like we all know too, the hard part of being pregnant, it comes with the hard part of then having newborn twins, Sarah. Like, I don't even I don't even know that we've talked about this, but like, how did you manage that? I know that Lex is like, Lex is my brother for everybody and Sarah's husband. And I know that he's like helpful, at least as helpful as he can be. But there's only so much you can do with a newborn if you don't have boobs. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I was just so happy I wasn't pregnant anymore. I li- I'm not even joking. The first day, and the first day is kind of blissful after they're pregnant, after the surgery, because like you're still on the painkillers. You have a catheter. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just be like blissed out and not like I was on pain but I didn't have any pain um and I wasn't pregnant anymore and I just kept saying like the babies were healthy I was healthy and I just kept being like I'm just so happy I'm not pregnant I literally was saying this on repeat the first 24 hours then when the um pain meds wore off and suddenly I was recovering from my you know abdominal surgery and I had to get up and pee and I was much less happy um and so 
we're going to get to the parenting part first, but I think this is probably one of the big differences between the C-section and a vaginal birth. And again, everyone has a different experience, but C-section recovery obviously is, is a little bit um, more challenging. And I did stay in the hospital for, um, I think it was five days. And now it's crazy because with pandemic, like when my sister had her second, she was out in like a day. Um, but I was there, I think I did like five days, four nights, and I did have to get a blood transfusion. So I didn't have, um, nothing went wrong, but I guess just, I don't know, I'm still not entirely sure why I needed a blood transfusion, but I needed one. My, my hemoglobin was, was really low. So, um, I might not have used that word correctly, but it's because is, you lost too much blood. I needed, I mean, that's yeah, yeah, it was bad. It was not, it was not at a good level. And I was, I was pretty sick and I still remember Carrie, your mom was great. Like the second day and actually your younger brother also came in. So, um, Carrie and Lex have a, have a younger brother who had been staying with us for the summer. He's like 10 years younger than us. Um, and he very sweetly came to the hospital on my second day out. And I was like, you can wait in the hall. Like I was yeah. so miserable. Like I, was like, I was bleeding everywhere. I was the, the lactation people came in and when you have twins, they want you to start pumping immediately because it's just really hard to get your supply up, um, quickly. And I was like, absolutely not. I'm like, I'm, you know, I wanted to breastfeed and all that, but I'm like, I can't, like I couldn't. Um, yeah, so that, that was tough, the, especially the second day. Um, but the difference between the C-section recovery and the nine months of pregnancy is that I was in a lot of pain and it was terrible, but every day was getting better. And it was like, you're healing and there's a way out. Whereas with pregnancy, everything I was feeling was like, yeah, and it's just going to get worse for like another like seven and a half months. And Ugh. that, so, so there really was, there was like a light, light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and then in terms of the first few days, I mean, we had a lot of help. Like our, my mom, uh, Carrie's mom, uh, were, were around helping, uh, Lex definitely, um, worked to be very helpful. I think it was really hard. A memory I have is that, and I don't know if this is a new mom thing or a hormonal thing or what, but the sound of them both crying at the same time would just propel me into tears. I couldn't not cry when that happened. If just one of them was crying, I could be like holding it together. But if both of them cried and duh, there's two newborn babies that happened a lot, I would just start bawling. And we tried it different ways. I remember the first um the first few nights we were like, I feel like we tried to do shifts a little bit and then that didn't really work because having two of them at the same time was and then we would try to assign each one a baby. So like if that baby was up then we would get up with that baby. Uh and but we got it done. I I was just like thinking about what you said about the um the the sound of the crying and how that affected you. And there's definitely something to that. I haven't read up on the science on that, but does anyone else think that like because like my tolerance for my baby crying is nothing. Like Andrew is like, it's fine, it's fine. I'm like, no, no, I can't. And it like makes me all agitated. I get I get really anxious and irritable myself. And then I get really sort of like emotional too. So I don't know if there is science to back that up, Sarah, do you know anything about that? Or is it just anecdotal at this point? Anyone else have any thoughts? I felt that way significantly until she, like, until I could really figure out what she was crying for. Like I felt very frantic and anxious when she was just crying and I didn't know what she wanted because I felt like she needed something and was going to die imminently if I did not figure out what the crime meant. Um, and there was one specific time when we tried to take her for a walk and we still had her in like her little like infant carrier clicked into the stroller or whatever. And she just started screaming. And I literally like 
told my husband, I was like, no, we have to turn around right now. And I like scooped her out and like carried her the whole way home. And like my husband just pushed an empty stroller and walked to the dog and was just like, you are, you are on your way to the loony bin. And I think postpartum anxiety goes significantly under recognized, but like your emotions are all over the place. You just birthed a whole human and you're like, sole responsibility in that that time is to take care of their needs so like when they cry and they need something you're on high alert to figure it out so I think there's definitely something to that I mean I remember when Graham and when we had Graham we didn't want to introduce the pacifier until like five or six weeks or something like that but at three weeks he was I remember at two weeks he was crying a lot and then at three weeks I was just I was so depressed. I was, I was like, I, I remember hitting like rock bottom and reaching and people would be like, how are you doing? Are you like amazing? How's the baby? And I'd just be like, I'm at my breaking point. And I was really honest with people. And I was just like, I'm, I don't, this is really fucking hard. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong and I can't solve this problem. And I was breaking down like every half an hour. And then I gave him a binky. And he stopped crying. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Why did I do this to myself for so long? Why didn't I give him a binky? And then I had Finn who refused to take a binky and refused to drink from a bottle. And I was like, I'm going to throw you outside. You're going in the garbage. You are going my in tolerance, the garbage. My tolerance for Finn. But like Finn is... Like, he never cried as much as Graham did. So, like, I think Graham really broke me. And then Finn was like, but now when Finn cries, I'm like, this has to stop immediately Mm -hmm. or I'm going to lose my mind. And then when the boys are both flipping out and now Finn is like, um, he is sympathetically crying with Graham when Graham gets upset about something. And but he's got a fake cry. So it's really funny. So that's like hilarious and we laugh but yeah there's definitely that anxiety around the crying I can't imagine two infants at the same time I just cannot no that sounds like sainthood to me how are your angel wings (laughs) so I don't know what our listenership is like but one piece of advice I have for singleton moms is that I think that there is this idea of like your baby, not there is this idea. I think it's an evolutionary <laughs> instinct, right? That like you must take care of this crying child. And if you don't take, take care of this crying child, that they will die. That, that is the, you know, the, the scenario that we just set forth. When you have two babies, you literally cannot take care of both of them at the same time. You can try, you can sometimes juggle, but there will be times by no fault of anybody's own, one baby will be left to cry. And that is just like, it is just what it is. And they're going to be fine. And it doesn't mean that like, you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean like, if I'm twin mom, if I'm like super mom, I'm doing it all at the same time. And I'm letting a ba- intentionally letting one of the babies cry and they're fine. Then that means that when you're a mom of singletons, it's also okay. And that I think is something that that's really hard to like wrap your head around. But like, if you have to put the baby down and get something, it's going to be okay. And that was something I think my mom taught me um, early on was when they were crying because I would be like, we have to get in. Like, you just can't. You literally cannot address both babies all the time at the same time. And so they cry sometimes. Yeah. And um, so you started to talk about how, like, you guys had split shifts overnight. But, like, how did that evolve? Like, how did you you get any sleep, basically? 
so then there's the there's the breastfeeding situation right so yeah um, so the answer is not really um I was so I mean I just feel so grateful that I didn't have um, bad postpartum depression and we all we all thought going into it that like I was totally gonna be a total mess when the babies were born because I'd been a wreck the whole pregnancy I already am inclined toward depression like we were all on the lookout for it and so the fact that I was functional was like yay total blessing um (laughs) That said, I did not sleep a lot, like most newborn moms. And what was really, really, really hard for me was the pumping schedule. So the way that, um, I don't even remember how it would work, but I would be on these two-hour cycles. And basically, I would get through the whole cycle. It would be like an hour and 50 minutes. And then I would have 10 minutes before the cycle was about to restart again, in terms of like, um, try to nurse, give each each baby, you know, sufficient time at the breast, then pump, then change them. And like that, just that whole process took so long. And so I, I forget exactly when it was, it might've been after about a week, but I said, I can't, I can't do the two hour increment. So I know that they probably need to eat every two hours, but like, I think like it just, I couldn't do it and they were gaining weight. Okay. Um, so, so then I moved to three hour increment. So that still wasn't facilitating sleeping. But at least, at least there was like some more sanity. And I don't know, you know, again, like, I don't know. There's so many different, there's so many different experiences out there. I don't know if it's, and I know that there was a big effort to get milk production up as high as possible. And my milk production got way, way high up. Like I was, I mean, at my peak, I was doing 60 ounces a day. Um, But that was like the peak. That wasn't but yeah, I just pumped all the time and nursed all the time. And they were not great nursers, uh, neither one of them. Um, Paul, and then they switched. It was actually funny. So for the first three months, Paul would um, take the breast, but Jay would not. And then they swapped. And so we used to joke, like, Paul was the one who, like, kept me going. He, like, kept Mama working. Um, but then Jay took over, like, once Paul had done any of that. Oh, pa- Paul did all the dirty work, mm-hmm. and then Jay got to benefit. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. And how long did you breastfeed for? I mean, how, so there were what, 20, 20 ish months? Right yeah, they're almost then? 20 months now. So I breastfed until uh, a year. So I, uh, I had wanted to get to six months, but six months was in the middle of flu season. So I thought I'll just hang on a little bit longer. And then there was a pandemic and we didn't know a lot about the pandemic, but it felt like probably I should hang on a little bit longer. And I actually think that I probably could have even gone a little bit longer with pumping if I wasn't also working full time and parenting toddlers that were at home with me. That was actually like that other layer was like, I can't, I can't do one more thing. Um, pumping at the office was actually easier. Just once I, once I got into the rhythm of it, like I would pump in the car on the way there, I'd pump on the way home. I would pump in the office. I had the like, you know, one of those wearable ones. So, but I did, I did get to, to the full year. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. But insofar as um, that's impressive. I know for two, right? I mean, I don't know. I just can't imagine having to nurse one and then put that one to bed, and then nurse the other one, and then pump, and then put that one to bed, and then wake the other one up to nurse. Anyway, let that. Is that how it works though? Like, or did you nurse them both at the same time? There were like five times that I was able to do that successfully, and then I would like take a picture and be like, "This is weird. What am I ever going to do with this picture?" Um, (laughs) But. Yeah, I mean, there are look at it and feel accomplished. There are moms that do it. I just like 
that never worked. That never worked for me. That was like the odds of them being exactly hungry at the same time and both latching successfully and then staying latched. And that was the other thing. Neither one of them liked it when you put a, a cover over them. Like that was insulting. Like, don't hide. I'm working right now. Um, <laughs> as soon as you would cover, they would, they would fall off. So. Oh my God. Wait, I have t- a couple things. Uh, so first of all, I'm a little bit annoyed that Lex didn't take over after you were done nursing. What do you mean you had to like then change them and do like you did enough. You nursed them. Did he not just take over after that point? So I just, I really love my husband and we have a really (laughs) successful relationship. So I feel like, I feel like digging in on the ways in which shared parenting responsibilities for newborns, like there are challenges, right? There There are. Okay. You are a saint. You are a saint. But um, my, the, yeah, Finn also refused to be covered. I know Graham, I took everywhere with me and, and would nurse him and cover him. Um, and he was totally fine with it. But Finn was more finicky. You don't say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were out to dinner once and there was a, a woman behind me and she was wearing a sweatshirt. It wasn't even like a maternity sweatshirt, but she just like popped popped out under the sweatshirt and was nursing. I was like, that could never happen. Like for us, it was a whole production. There had to be like, you know, lead up. There had to be music. Like it was not just something you could just like do on the fly at Outback. And then, so what other, so I think that that parenting advice that you offered for singleton mothers about, you know, you can't always, you know, like you got to take care of yourself or you can't, don't, it's going to be okay if they cry. Like, and then in the past, like the first year of the twins lives, did you, did you come to any other sort of parenting, um, realizations, um, having twins and having only being able to do so much that you think would be beneficial to share for people that have twins and also that only have one baby. That's kind of a long winded way to say, Sarah, give us some advice on how you parented (laughs) twins and how that could help people that parent only one child at a time. I think just like recognizing, and I guess this is like the theme for the episode of like the wide range of normal. Um, and this was, you know, in the the blog um, that I posted, but it being able to see in real time how different kids can be is pretty amazing. And I think, you know, even if you have more than one child, like it's, you know, there's, it's spaced out um, even a little bit, but like you're literally seeing it in real time. Um, and actually, follow up from my blog post, Paul did finally use the potty. He has not successfully used the potty. Jay uses the potty every night before bed. So like, you know, how, just like that, that anxiety of like, how fast are they going? Are they hitting their milestones? What's going on? Um, that it, yeah, just, it varies a lot. Um, so there's that, I guess, I don't know, assurance that, that you're, that they're doing, they're going to be okay. They're, they're just going at their own rate and that it's, it's really hard that, being a mom is really hard. Um, being a working mom is really hard. And there's not like a, I don't know, I guess like this is probably the thing I, I have struggled with a lot with the, with the boys is like, am I like loving one of them too much? Um, like that's just like this thing I worry about a lot, uh, especially because Paul is very demanding. And so it's very easy to give him lots of attention because he's constantly demanding your attention. Um, and so then I end up just like going over to Jay and like showering him with hugs and kisses and telling him how special he is. And he's like, mom, I'm cool. You know, like, so I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the answer is on that. Um, but I think that that is probably true for, for all moms um, of just like, 
am I loving them enough? Am I loving them too much? Like, am I loving them the right amount? Um, and am I loving the it? Yes. Does one think that they're loved more than the other one? Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I, I can, I feel like that goes through my head too, even though my kids are not twins, but they're, you know, obviously similar, similar ages, but it is, it is a consideration that pops up when you have two children and. Yeah. I mean, you know, you bring the baby home for Carrie and I, and like now your toddler, you have to make sure you have to assure them that you love them as much as the new baby, but the baby takes up so much more attention. And then for me, it's like, my kids are both very affectionate, but my Finn is like a, like a mama's boy. It's incredible how much he just loves me so much. He loves me more than anything anywhere. Loves me more than Hank. <laughs> like, you know, I have to make sure that I give the same amount of attention to Graham because he, he wants that attention too. And, but he's naughtier because he's older and he can be naughty in a way that Finn can't be naughty. And so like, you just really have to balance that and make sure. And so I love that perspective of the, both of your boys being the same age and going through milestones, you know, together, um, being able to like, see how kids, the, the range that, you know, that things happen, you know, there's no, because we often worry like, oh, was, is Finn behind? Is he not? doing it was Graham doing things more at this age and then um and then but mostly as a second time mom now I, I'm just like way more relaxed I'm like whatever it doesn't matter he'll he'll get there I'm impressed that your boys are potty trained they're not potty trained they're just potty like explore like they're, they're having po- positive potty experiences oh we should update the blog but we have a post or a picture of them wearing the potties on their head um, oh. which we're like supporting because we just want them to like the potty, feel good about the potty. Um, but we <laughs> haven't like done a lot of nothing, nothing like we haven't done like that pants free weekend thing or anything like that. They're still really young, uh, but they were just, they were so interested in the potty, like, you know, the whole like stocking parent potty time. And, uh, and so that's where we got the potties and yeah, just, you know, no pressure. It's there if you want it. Jake so my, in the hallway early. My child time. today. She gave me a sticker and cheered for me when I went potty. And I was like, this is the kind of encouragement I need in my life. (laughs) That's a good, that's a good way to turn the tables. Millie, look at that. Um, Being all smart. Good job, mama. (laughs) Sarah. And then, and also like, you know, you mentioned working from home, obviously, when the pandemic hit, they were what, eight months, nine months, something like that when the yeah, pandemic hit? Like, so practically, logistically, like, what did that look like? That was horrible. <laughs> so hard. Um, I mean, it wasn't horrible. There are so many, there were so many blessings. There's so many things. I, I had a job still. I had a co-parent who was home. Um, that was a lot of, uh, that was a lot of co-parenting discussion that happened every day. And that is why a year later, we don't need to dig in on the podcast. Um, yeah. So what we would do, so I, I have a, like a pretty demanding job. Um, and what I would do is I would wake up at six and I would do like as much as I could with work and meetings before like 1 p.m. Um, and Lex would do the mornings and then we would switch and I would do the afternoons. Um, and then I would just try and juggle being on meetings with the, with the twins. And 
because of my like work hour work is a lot of meetings and I work with nurses and public health people. Like I have really cute kids. Right. So there was a fair, like I, I could kind of, it was okay. And I, and for some blessing worked out that that particular age for us was a really good age. So we, at that moment in time, we were actually able behind me, there's a, um, like a little playpen that's set up with the wall and we could actually just put them in the playpen with their toys and they would just play nicely for like maybe half an hour, um, which was enough to like, you know, get through a weekend by a year that was no longer um, appropriate. They were like, yeah, we're, we're ready to leave the playpen now. What are you doing? Uh, so that, um, yeah, that first, like, I think it was what, like two, three months that it was the stay at home order. We didn't have any childcare. So it was just, shifts again, you know, just doing those shifts, but it was hard because, okay, I guess I'll just say this. I don't want to not like lose his job, but like I, I was still doing a full-time job and like hypothetically he was not doing a full-time job, but we were still doing the, the hours of the day, 50, 50. So again, co-parenting is a blessing in many ways and also a challenge. Yeah. It's like expectations, clarifying them constantly. Constantly. And, and then anytime anything it. changes. So like as soon as you work it out and you're like, okay, with the share or whatever, then something changes or there's another meeting or, I mean, once like we had a babysitter, like babysitter cancels and same thing with daycare, you know, now it's quarantined for 14 days. And so you just have to constantly, constantly readjust. readjust. But that's true. That's not twin specific. That's just parents. All right, gang, now we're going to do our roundtable. We always end with a roundtable discussion, or we try to. Today's roundtable is based on how Crystal only has one child, but the rest of us um, have two children. So we're all going to offer our roundtable advice for Crystal um, about having two children versus having one children. One child. Child. One child. One children. <laughs> Crystal, that, that leads right into my advice. You only have so much brain power, so, like, don't, don't, don't get down on yourself if you're not able to use that brain power as much towards your child as you used to be when there was only one of them. So like, for instance, um, I have tasked my oldest son Everett with teaching baby Claire the names of animals because I don't have the brain power to do it at the end of the day. So I literally will put on the TV baby Einstein on YouTube and have Everett watch it with baby Claire and he wants to watch it and he gets to tell her that that's a cow and the cow says moo. So it's still interactive more so than just her staring at the TV screen, but it takes me out of the equation. So, um, and I don't feel guilty about that. So that's my advice. Don't feel guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Um, something that Sarah had said earlier triggered a memory where I was trying to do so much and I was trying to just, and I, and I, but I had this like postpartum anxiety that um, I also had to be in control of so much and I was unable to delegate and I was unable to allow others to help, even though I had a house full of helpers. Like literally my parents were in town and my husband is a fully capable parent. And I was, standing in the kitchen. I think I was trying to make lunch and I was also in the midst of putting sneakers on or off. And I had one sneaker on one foot and one foot unsneakered. And my mom took a picture and she was like, mommies do so much or something like that. But really to me, it was an indication of, I need to delegate. I need to like stop. I need to finish a task. I can't continue to just like 
to be interrupted in what I'm doing because I feel like I can jump in and do it better or I can do it more efficiently or I can, I, I just, you know, I need to do this thing. So I think with having two kids, you really need to start um, just do one thing at a time. Take care of one baby at a time. Take care of one task at a time. Because ultimately your brain power, like Carrie was mentioning, will become so fragmented that you won't be able to accomplish anything. You won't be able to complete one single task because you'll be in the middle of 10. So like just prioritize what you're looking to do and realize that it doesn't effing matter. Everything will get done. Babies will be fine and happy and there will be people around to help take care of those children. And like ultimately, I think we've also had a lot of themes around like make sure that you're fulfilled and like make sure that you're taking care of yourself so that you can take care of your children. And um, I think that's really important, especially when you've got two children and, but there's also plenty of people to help you. Okay. That was my like really woo-saw moment right there. Deep breath. Uh, Don't feel like you have to referee everything I think that that, and maybe that's like, because mine are the same age. So I don't have to be like, you're more mature, like be the good big brother, but like, they're going to fight over stuff. Like they're going to grab one toy from the other toy, a chair that was this morning. They were, they were stealing chairs from each other. Like that they love to move furniture, um, <laughs> but like, let them do it. You know, like uh, Jay got used to, he had the, you know, was really into those webinars and stuff. We like to have like five at all times and we our theory was like you never know when your brother's going to steal one from you and so you just pop the next one in and that's just you know what that's going to be that's them learning they're developing their resilience and um don't feel like you have to intervene all the time they're going to be fine that's really great advice cool i don't know if i'm going to have a second it all applies, I think, for one, too, with the brain power and, like, valuing yourself and even then letting your children struggle, you know, even if it's just one child, letting your child struggle rather than feeling like you have to jump in to fix everything. I think I think all of these lessons are, are transferable to multiple situations. Yeah, sure. But thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us to talk about your pregnancy and your birth and your beautiful boys. I just want to, like put it in a box. I'm not pregnant. I'm not currently <laughs> trying to be pregnant. I was just trying to come up with a topic that I thought might be relevant because everybody has two children on here except for me. So great nuggets of advice for our listeners. Thanks so much for listening to the Average Moms podcast. We're so happy to have had Sarah with us today to talk about all things parenting twins. I hope you learned a lot. I know we did. Uh, can't wait to see you again soon. Can't wait to to have you back again <laughs> catch, catch us next time catch us next time can't wait to twin again yeah <laughs> T W. I think you should come back because I want to hear more about your uh, raising of children obviously getting to that point was long but it would be interesting to thank you for listening to the averagemoms.com podcast if it's not one thing it's on mother <laughs>